coming up next on the Wet Fly Swing Podcast. He's on a hunt in Alaska for, for caribou, and they only have so much food in their packs, right? He's rationing. So he truly felt hunger in that moment, and it was right before they were able to get a kill. So when they got to eat the caribou that they, that they killed, it was a whole different experience. And that is what we used to have to feel, right? Our feeling hunger is, is a good thing in a way. That was Cody Wood taking us back to the basics, the 10-minute exercise flow, discipline, and decompression today on The Swing. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how are you doing today? Thanks for stopping by the show. Would you like to ask a question for an upcoming guest? You can do that right now by heading over to Instagram, at Wet Fly Swing on Instagram. Go ahead and follow us there, support the podcast, and you can ask a question for an upcoming guest. You can also head over to wetflyswing.com slash QA. Today's episode is sponsored by Togan's Fly Shop, who provides superior quality products at an affordable price. An amazing resource for fly tying materials, tools, and fishing accessories. Since 2005, Togan's has been over delivering on price, service, and passion. And now you can check out that Togan's buzz for yourself. Right now, you can head over to wetflyswing.com slash Togan's to get started. That's T O G E N S. You support this podcast by clicking through that link to Togan's online. Cody Wood is here to get us on track for better health, more fishing, and a longer life. We discover why you should be fasting. We find out what soul food is all about, and then we get a little spiritual with it. If you're like me, you're probably thinking there's a number of things I can do to feel better, to get healthier, and to get it all going. Let's find out how right now. Here we go. Cody Wood from painfreeoutdoors.com. How you doing, Cody? Hey, what's up, Dave? I'm doing great. Nice. We're going to jump into a little bit, uh, one of my favorite uh, topics, which is uh, health and wellness and uh, physical fitness. It's actually something that it is one of my favorite topics, but I struggle about getting you know things done. You know, I think that Sometimes I look at the week and think like, okay, I'm going to be out doing this, hiking here, doing this, and maybe that's good enough. But I don't want to, I want to hear your story because you do some uh, good things of keeping people healthy, and uh, we're going to dig into that uh, today. Take us back real quick to how you first got into uh, fly fishing, and then we'll bring it into Pain Free Outdoors and the Guidance Association. Nice. So uh, <clears throat> my introduction to fly fishing was actually from a um, a co-worker in the restaurant industry when I was in Oklahoma City. Uh, he was born in Bozeman, Montana, and spoke highly of Montana and the mountains and the rivers. And we took a trip one year for my birthday. We got on got on a plane, went to Denver, um, and, and took a Montana trip, I'd say eventually. But it all started with just a fly rod um, and, and in Oklahoma, fishing little ponds, fishing private areas, people with bass in their ponds that didn't ever fish them. So we'd go out and throw poppers and it's just a blast. But getting into the trout scene, of course, happened by way of Colorado and then Montana. And I eventually moved um, up to up to Bozeman with him. And I got a job as a therapist um, and spent six years there just chasing around the water. Um, and it, it, what I learned about it through both my own perception and then others that I'd meet 
is the influence it had on, on, on a positive livelihood. Um, so it really took over where I was making money so I could go fish. That was my priority for years um, and, and still is my priority. Now, wintertime looks a little different for me. Um, I love to ski, but and in terms of fishing, I've got the fever again. I've been looking at photos, looking at videos. So I'm excited to get back out there. But I've caught everything from crappie and bass to, to I'm taking a redfish trip with Greg Moon um, out on in Louisiana, which was an absolute blast. And then I just I got a 12 foot kayak, a little Jackson Kilroy. And I, I think still water fishing is quickly becoming more of my favorite thing to do um, just for the serenity. Um, I love a good hike along a creek. I love to fish running water, but spinning all day, floating around, um, whether that's dragging a leech pattern, just trolling or actually standing up and casting. Um, those I think are my most fruitful days. Yeah. Stillwater is great. We're, we've definitely been doubling down on Stillwater. That's something I've always loved. And it's always a question for me on the Stillwater. It seems like it's still, you know, it's kind of like the trout versus everything else, right? Trout species are definitely dominate still in fly fishing, but there's all this other stuff, right? You mentioned it, redfish, carp. I mean, you name it, right? But, and Stillwater is the same way. It's like the rivers are still the thing, the streams, but uh, still water is out there. And do you feel like, why do you love still water? What makes, so is it just, is it the serenity mostly like compared to like the fresh water to the streams? I think it's because I'm equipped to do it. I'm uniquely equipped with the boat. Um, I can get into some areas that others can't. Um, you know, you can throw a bunch of gear in your boat that I wouldn't be able to take with me when I was hiking. So I kind of have my own little space. Um, and, and that's what's most appealing to me as I get older, just having all the belongings. I got too many boxes of flies, but I can bring them all if I've got the boat versus if I'm going to be on a walk, I got to pick. Um, and bigger fish. I think the bigger fish in the lakes, um, some of the areas that I got to fish, big, uh, they're hybrids, but like a cut bow, um, those things get pretty big and they're fun. They put a good fight, but brook trout, um, you know, easier to find. Um, there's a, there's a little lake south of Bozeman that held brook trout up when it floods all the timber and the, the, the branches float up and create little, um, almost little coves, right? And I could float in and you can see the flashes when they take, can't really feel it. So you're, you're, you're still sight fishing because of the clarity of the water. Um, but once you figure their patterns out, you can just kind of go back and, and know within an hour if it's going to be a good day or not. Yeah, exactly. Where did you, and where did you uh, grow up? Southwest Oklahoma, um, Lake, Lake Warica. So, uh, my mom actually is who taught me to fish. We'd go out, catch crappie, um, tight lining, minnows right off the dock, and then jigging when the when the spawn happened along the rocks. Um, I had a pair of those, you know, plastic waders as a kid, and we'd go out and hip deep, knee deep water. The alligator gar would be swimming by. They'd rustle up against your leg, but they were right in the same areas. Those crappie would be on the brush piles that they spawned and we'd fill the freezer every spring and eat through the, the summer and the fall and then look forward to the, you know, they'd, they'd stock the trout in some of the areas in Oklahoma. So we would go do that. And it was always ultralight gear for, for trout. It wasn't fly fishing for me until I 
was really an adult um, and, and regained that interest in trout. Gotcha. And have you, do you still have family in Oklahoma? I do. Yeah. My brother's there. Um, my mom and my dad are still down there. They both still live on the lake. Um, it's, it's a great spot on, uh, and if you, my brother and I have talked about turning their place into a fishing lodge in the future. It's a small little home. Yeah. It sounds like that's one thing, you know, Oklahoma is one of those places that you don't hear. It's, you know, there's a few of the States you don't hear as much about. I know we have listeners in Oklahoma, but, um, but yeah, so it, I mean, and you've done some fishing there. Is it more of a, it is more of a still water thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, there's no sight fishing to be had. It's red mud when it rains and it, it gets, so you kind of got to know, um, what I was taught, right? Where to jig, where the fish are. But I went back a couple of years ago and had an absolute blast catching crappie on the fly. And then I caught a drum. I was chasing carp all day one day because they were always down there i remember seeing them as a kid what what town was this again so south of quorum oklahoma um near, near duncan so duncan's near lawton highway 81 um I, I was nestled down right near the red river okay yeah not far from oklahoma city right yep yep well about two hours two hours if you drive properly yeah, yeah, and then you're not too well. You're about almost equidistant to uh, Dallas, right? Yep, right, directly right in the middle. That's that's sweet. That seems like a pretty cool area. What have, have you spent some time in Dallas? You know, my very first job interview was at Baylor Med Center, and by the time that I had gotten to the interview, I had already decided there is no way that I could ever live that lifestyle with that traffic. Um, and and I had a great interview. Met two of the best surgeons in the world. I was super lucky to even have that interview and they, they kind of saw me as a young therapist and asked if I really wanted to stay in Dallas. He, he had that insight. And I said, I really don't. I said, I appreciate you asking. Um, I just got out of school. Like I'm looking to slow down a little bit. And ultimately a year from then, um, I'd worked a year in skilled nursing in Oklahoma city and then found a job in Montana, moved to Billings, um, fished that area for about 16 days before my contract got bought out and I got moved to Bozeman. So I got to live out my dreams there. Yeah. The Montana thing, it's such, it's such a cool thing. You know, you, you there's probably lots of Montana type examples, but you hear it from, we've heard it from a lot of people, right? You, they touched their toes into Montana and even me, myself, right? I, I remember that trip I did as a kid to Montana, you know, and I, I told stories about that for years you know, the first time to Montana, what do you think it is? What like, because Mon- and Montana is changing, right? A little bit, especially like Bozeman, some of these places. I mean, I was there and it definitely had already changed. Um, from Evan's perspective, he, he, they had moved away in 93. His dad moved because there were too many people. Right. And they moved to Oklahoma. Um, so I got a kick out of that when I moved there. I was like, yeah, this is in a small town for certain, like big homes. And then it had just, it, as you know, as everybody know, it expanded, it boomed. So I was happy to be there. Are you still loving it now? I'm actually in Utah. Um, I'm in Spanish Fork. I moved down here in, in August. Um, I moved away from Montana in April. I went to Arizona, pursued business, and then ended up in Utah in August. This last year? Yep. Oh, wow. Okay, so you moved. And why'd you head out of Montana? Um, Work. Work, it made sense to be around more people. Um, and then this is ideal because I can still get up early and I can go fish some of the waters that I really want to. Can I do it after work? No, I got to make a trip out of it. But 
I can still access those areas that, that I learned to love. You asked about the dip in your toe in the water of that state. I think there's a magnetic component to it. I truly believe that there's a magnetism in the park. And the closer you get to that Yellowstone Park, I think that there's a draw. Um, my north and south was mixed up when I moved there. I'd always lived south of that magnetic draw. And I realized when I lived there, I would always think north was now south, if that makes sense. So I, I really believe that there is a magnetic pull. Yeah, no, say that again on the north-south thing. So being in Oklahoma, Yellowstone Park's to the north, right? Um, that was my magnetic north my whole life. When I moved up there, I had trouble with that where I was, I would instinctively think that my north was south like towards, towards the park. So that, that to me, like it's a magnetic pull to me, you know, there's a lot of, it's a very unique place there. Um, but that's my belief. Can I prove it? No. I'd take a lifetime. Uh, yeah. Yellowstone is, seems like, well, the whole thing, but yeah, Yellowstone is pretty much when you look at it on a map, I mean, it is right in the middle of Idaho, Wyoming, Montana. You can almost say it's in the middle of the West. Right. It's like, right. And it's this amazing place. It's so vast. Like the hours you drive just to get from one town to the next, you know, trips we'd take, get up early, drive two and a half hours and you'd look on the map and it doesn't seem like you traveled that far, but you did. And that, that's how truly big that place is. Yeah. Nice. And, and now you're in, uh, and you're in Salt Lake or where are you at? So I'm South of Salt Lake. Um, I'm, I'm in Utah County. So I'm on Highway 6, so I can get on Highway 6 and head to Grand Junction, Colorado. I'm excited to explore some of these areas um, just east of me this summer. Um, I've been looking at, there's some lakes and some things that I'm excited to get the boat out on and see. There's an area they have tiger muskie. That's something I've never caught before. Um, and of course, tiger trout, which I know is non, it's a, it, what is it, a hybrid, right? It's a it's a sterile fish, but it's something I've never had my hands on. So I'm excited to go target those and then see where, where life takes me this summer. It's, there's going to be some big changes for me. I know. So I'm hoping I have time to fish, but if I don't, um, I'll, I'll be happy that I'm, I'm busy with corporate wellness, doing some gigs. Um, we've got a, a company in Arizona I've been working for, and then we're, we're hoping to expand this year. So I have not made any definitive travel plans or definitive dates because things are up in the air. And yeah, it sounds like you're busy because you have the corporate stuff you have going, then the pain-free outdoors. Is yep. that is that so, kind of a side thing you have? Going? Let's talk about that. How did that how did that come to be? So pain-free outdoors started for me as a way to serve active individuals, people like myself, people that um, don't want to go to a clinic, don't want to spend time in a gym necessarily. They just want to get it done at home or get it done on the road if they live an active lifestyle. So I was taking care of skiers, fishermen, and it became a kind of a niche for me versus the athletes that I was taking care of um, with a separate business. So it gave me the ability to appeal to the, the, the people that I want to work with and serve them in a unique way. What that led to, though, is Pain-Free Outdoors becoming a partner in the LifeSync business, which is corporate wellness, where I, um, we serve teams and organizations and groups with the same approach to 
the physical modalities that I take, um, whereas LifeSync takes more of a nutritional and physical approach. So pain-free outdoors is just that physical component. Um, although I do touch on the, the basics of nutrition for people that need it, but for the most part, it's decompression work. Um, it's understanding that we are an organism in our environment and our body has a design and that design was innate, um, meaning present at birth. And you'll see that same design in the human beings that still interact with the earth and the way they were designed. So 200 years removed from that, if you look at our modern lifestyle. So all that goes into pain-free outdoors, which is what we're made to do. We're made to be outside. We're made to be running around barefoot, grabbing things, hunting, fishing, providing for ourselves, farming. And longevity is the biggest piece of the puzzle that a lot of people lose um, because of lifestyles, because of the things that have become cultural norms. So that connecting those two dots is why I created Pain-Free Outdoors. Um, I had a marketer once say, you should just call it Pain-Free Active. Uh, I kind of turned her down because I wanted it to be true to the outdoors. That is the people that I want to serve because I know where their values are. I can relate to that person. Yeah, definitely. No, that's, that's perfect. Well, maybe we can start and we're going to talk a little about, you know, the program you have, but maybe we could just give people listening here because that is a struggle. Like you said, you, you find yourself, you know, maybe you're sitting behind the desk computer, you know, like we're doing here now, or you just don't find yourself exercising enough. Maybe we could talk about a few things somebody can do today, this week to get more active. Say like somebody comes in, they've been struggling. Maybe they got a little ache, ba- achy back. They got, they're not feeling great. They got some heartburn. What do you tell them? What are, is there like five or 10 things you might tell them to get started? I like it. I'm going to stick to three and we'll expand to 10. Um, big piece of the puzzle for me is, is acknowledging the shape of the body. So spending time in front of a mirror, and I don't mean shape as in, is my waist too round, but shape as in how my shoulders, hip, and the torso stacks on top of two feet. So I'm looking at my foot shape first and foremost and being aware if my toes are pointing two different directions, then my brain and the body, if you look at that, all that torque goes right into that low back because it's trying to go two different directions at once versus being conscious of a good straight foot, two straight feet. Um, if you look down at your big toe and your second toe, there's a little gap right there. Point that gap straight forward and keep those feet underneath the knees and hips. So that creates a balanced structure. Now you're prepared to absorb energy or load that body by walking. When we land, we're loading one single column. So if my left foot goes forward, then my head and my chest will also travel to that left column. And my right foot will pivot in a way that the heel bone points away from my body. That tells me that I'm in sync on both columns and nothing's working against one another. So spending time in front of a mirror and just being aware of those two shapes is a big piece of the puzzle so you can be more aware of your walking patterns. Because if I'm walking all messy and I've got all my pressure in my left side all day long, my left side is going to start to get overworked. So I need to learn to get pressure back over to the right side and back to the left. Wow. So this is basic. I mean, this is, well, not basic. It's, uh, it's basic being that we're, we're talking about walking but it's not basic because there's a lot to it to get the form and function, right? And it's that shape. It's that, it's, that vi- it's that ability to see it, 
right? And see, okay, I'm in a good shape versus a bad shape. So that awareness is always the biggest piece for me um, when I'm teaching because all of the exercises I give are based off of that shape. Gotcha. I was just going to say, how similar is what we're talking about to, I think, the first thing people might say when they see some of um, the, you know, basically what you teach is like yoga. Is it is yoga similar? Are there a lot of similarities between it or is it yoga? Um, my approach to this a lot of times with, with um, just active individuals, those that aren't trying to perform at a high level, um, elite athletes versus your common folks um, like you and I. We want to have a practice that does probably look like yoga. A lot of people are going to see it as yoga, but my approach is based off of resting patterns and active patterns and then learning to flow between those two and understanding that you're just re-ingraining that innate pattern. So you're looking at creating a habit versus creating a movement flow, right? So if, if you're practicing yoga, this would appeal to your practice, your personal practice, because it'd give you a map to how that yoga practice should look versus there's days that I don't get back on the ground and don't do my movement flows. So it just looks like a 10 second break throughout my day where I'm conscious and I put myself back in those shapes and then I try to maintain them. So you can practice it as an exercise, as a flow, as a yoga flow, or you can practice it as just being conscious of it throughout the day. Right. Just like how you're standing, you're sitting, how you're sitting at your desk. Sitting's a big piece, right? So sitting at my desk, um, sitting in a chair, right? We made the chair. Chair's a man-made thing. If you look back, the, the body's really designed to sit on the ground. Now, if I take somebody on day one and go, okay, I gotta, you got to take your chair away. If I'm in an office building and I take everyone's chair away, that's not a good wellness routine because now everybody's going, oh, took my crutch away, bro. Now they're hurting. They're hurting. What about the ball? Is that a good thing? I, I use the ball um, like sitting on the exercise ball. It's same concept. You're sitting on the base of the spine. So it's about your pivot point where you're interacting with the ground. When you sit, you're compressing the base of the spine. You're going to tuck the tail under. Um, you ever seen a dog tuck its tail? It's not a good thing, right? Like, so you're putting your body in that position and there's a word called somatics, um, which is your mind's control of movement and health and feeling. And it, that somatic position, those postures of sitting in a chair wear on you and, and, and the brain wears down, the body wears down. So long sitters, people that by occupation have to sit throughout a day it's very important they understand how to decompress that spine actively, um, which is a big piece of, of my protocols is decompression routines. You're going to be sitting. That's the reality. If I'm going on a plane trip, I got to get across the country. I'm going to be sitting. And when I'm done sitting, I need to know what to do. So the next day um, I don't have to recover. Right. So I'm, I'm very proactive. And then I, I would go as far as, Hey, I've got to prepare for that plane ride. So the first two days before that, I need to really make sure I'm diligent with my movement routines and taking more of an active, maybe a yoga approach to that. And then I'm going to be able to recover quicker because I'm still going to get compressed. There's no way around it. Um, unless you stand up and walk up and down the aisles, nobody's going to like that. And that's just really unrealistic. There's people that I've worked with that 
that do. I mean, they get rid of their couches. They get rid of everything and they've got a mat and they've got a low table and they truly go back to that innate instinctive lifestyle. Um, I'm not one of those people. I'm the coach, but I'll help people that want to take that. Like if they want to take that full swing approach, yeah, I want to be uh, as close to my ancestors as possible. There's a way to do it. But realistically, we're all going to walk outside and we're going to walk on the asphalt. We're going to walk on the sidewalk. We don't have to navigate anything on the sidewalk. We just walk straight. We don't have to look up. Nothing's going to attack us. So it just, we're very, we're a shell of our ability. And getting that back is bigger than just an individual change, I believe. However, if you're fishing and you're hunting, you're way closer to that than the folks that don't ever leave their cubicle. That just go to work and go home and that's their routine. They don't get the daylight they need. Um, so once again, that's why it's pain-free outdoors to me because the, the basics are already there. It's already a client that I know is going to succeed because they're already enjoying the outdoors, which is what we're made to do. Let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Waters West Fly Fishing Outfitters is your go-to resource for spay and swung fly techniques for the OP and beyond. They're known for their deep selection of unique high-quality fly tie materials, and they are the gateway to some of the great steelhead rivers in the country. I was able to get out on the water with Ed, and it was an amazing day. We uh, hit the shop early, met him at the shop. We fired up the old vehicle and headed out on the river. Ed is the type of guy that you feel comfortable right from uh, minute one. And it was a good day. We ended the trip uh, for buying into this unimproved boat ramp, uh, pulling the boat out, and, and we ended up with a great opportunity uh, and landed a nice, very nice cromer and had a few other touches. Fished one of the great rivers in the country. It was amazing. Not only do they cover steelhead, but all species in the area, and they have a passion for all fish that swim up or live around salt. They can outfit any angler from the beginner to the most hardcore fishing bum you can imagine. They have a great online store, fast shipping, and uh, you will be supporting conservation when you support Waters Last. Please check in with Ed and Kyle right now to say hi and let them know you heard uh, from them on this podcast. And you can do that right now, wetflyswing.com slash waterswest. Maybe you could talk about your the routine. So what would you be doing before that long flight? Um, you know, I know you have some videos out there. Is that something where you could watch the 10 minute video and do s some of those activities? Yeah. And, and, and we can share those, um, with your, with your listeners that, that link that I sent you, uh, I'd love for you to make that available to them in any yeah. way you wanted to. There's a 10 minute flow. Um, that 10 minute flow is me teaching a mom and two boys. So it's me instructing an audience that's, that's new to this. And that 10 minute flow, there's a lot of it on the ground, but that is the 10 minutes that I do before activity. Those flows, they, they differ. There's a five minute flow. You'll see it's kind of a sped up process version of that. And then there's the individual videos where each exercise goes through. Um, each of those are, are specific to an ailment versus the flows are beneficial to get the body circulating fluids, synovial fluids, blood flow. Like if you look at a river and you put a dam on it, you got a reservoir and we all know that it's not necessarily the best for the habitat below that site where there's a block. 
the same thing happens in the body with compression. So if I'm leaned over in the left side on my airplane, because the guy to the next to me on the right is repulsive, then I'm going to compress my left side, which means I need to be aware of that pattern or that sitting pattern. And that's where you really, really get better and better at being aware of these things. And then you get off the plane and go, shoot, well, I just need to get my right foot out in front of me and lift my left hand over. And that's going to open up that full left side. And maybe just spend 15 of those reps, take a walk after that, and make sure that things feel fluid again. Um, and then resting patterns, I'm going to spend time on the ground. I really get on all fours in a way um, with my hands, my knees, and the tops of the feet on the ground. And I try to get my butt back between my heels. That allows the base of the spine to float. It's not sitting on anything. All my pressure is now on the tops of the feet and the kneecaps. My head and my chest are above the hips, and I take a deep breath. That deep breath should expand my rib cage in all directions. And when you breathe out, you should maintain that space. That helps the spine unstack from above, and then you can start to add movement. So that, that first step is to decompress fully and then add rotations and movements because if you've got a compression and you go directly into rotations and movements, the same reason the, the friend of yours that golfs complains of his back hurting. He goes from working four days a week, oh, dude, I can't wait to golf Friday morning. I got a seven o'clock tea time. I'm going to have a Bloody Mary and I'm going to try to hit it 300 yards. And then, whoo, the body goes, I, we're not doing that anymore. So it fights back, right? Like you get a response versus if you spend 10 minutes on the ground in the tee box or 10 minutes before you get in the boat and row, you're going to decompress that spine. And that millimeter difference is the difference in pain and performance. So you talked about shape. Where could somebody find out more on getting, make sure they're standing right, sitting right with their feet and all that stuff? So I do a slow motion video assessment because of the intricities of it. I look at the foot shape. I show you where the, the foot lands and leaves the ground. I, I show you where your pressure is. And those fine awareness drills, that's, that's the skill set here for me. That's the eye. That's me being able to show you what I see and then you understand it. Versus if I say, hey, stand in front of the mirror like I did earlier, you may not catch all of those intricities. Um, but it's a straight foot. It's, there's a, there's an area of the foot that absorbs and loads pressure. It's to the outside on the pinky toe side. It's the strong side of the foot. When you look at the anatomy of the foot, the anatomy of the hand is the, is how I'd explain this. If I'm going to grab something and hold on to it, I'm going to use the strong side of my hand. If I'm going to pinch something, pick it up and write with it. If I'm going to use it skillfully. I'm going to use the skill side of my hand. A lot of people get their feet too wide and all their pressure dumps to the inside of the skill side of the foot and they lose control of the strong side of the foot. When that happens, now the rest of the tissues above are fed into that pattern. So you see a collapse towards the inside. So getting feet back, maybe a, a hands width distance, a tennis ball, a softball in between the big toes and pressuring to the outside of the feet kind of lean forward too. It helps to put a wall in front of you and you'll feel the back, the haunches, the, the butt muscles engage. You raise the heels up out of the ground. You feel them engage further. That's what I would call a putting it in drive, right? We're going forward. 
we're headed for a walk now. So if you can get people into that and help them see where they're at when they're walking, a lot of people lead with their hips. Their belt buckle is the first thing to hit. Their toe lands pointing outwards, and they land the inside of the foot. And that ankle complex just gets compressed and softened and melts into the floor, right? Flat feet. Now the kneecap follows, and that's going to torque the hip and the lower back. The back and the knee are the first two things to go because the hip and the ankle are a gyroscope. They can move in more ways than the spine and the kneecap, which are just simple hinges. Look at the spine, lots of hinges stacked on top of one another. So you've got compression in those smaller hinge joints because of our inability to use those gyroscope joints. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, I think I think some of this is like above uh, above my Very level. Visual. Just- yeah, yeah. I think I think the best thing would be to put the video in the show notes so people can watch the ten minute video. They can check it oh, out. Yeah. They can they can learn from it. Um, and and then like we were saying, so the maybe maybe we just go to the the three things. So you t- we talked about shape. What were the other two that we would throw out here? So resting patterns, awareness first, being aware of your shape, being aware of your resting patterns. Number two, hey, I caught myself in a chair and I don't necessarily have to be in it. Couches. Um, I can get back on the ground and sit in a pattern of um, rest that allows my spine to release, allows my feet and ankles and shoulders to stack on top of one another. What you show in that video, right? That's how you're sitting. Yeah. There's several ways. The says is the most simple. And then there's some transition ways. Like if you've got a knee injury, this is where it gets very individual. If somebody's got a background with an injury and they're like, well, I can't get to that point that we're going to scaffold it. Or I might really take that knee off the ground and replace it with the foot. If that makes sense. So you got a kneecap down on the right side, a foot on the left side, and you can still sit or, sh- or, Oh, you seem like a baseball team getting ready position, like sitting there with one, one heel up off the ground, the foot there, and then the back leg on the, on the floor. That's another resting pattern. That's better just for two minutes, be better than get it in a chair. And then the last thing is the decompression, active decompression. Understanding my environment is compressing me and I have to take an active approach to decompress. So those would be the three things and the decompression is where it really becomes 10 things. Could be an ankle, could be a hip, it could be spine, it could be your shoulder, the neck. The neck is the the last piece of the puzzle, right? We, Who's got a hurt? kinked up neck a a lot of us it's because we hold our noggin out in front of our body and we got an imbalance below so that neck just gets jarred and those tissues they hold on they get rigid so you have a tight neck and if i go well i'm just going to loosen that neck up without doing anything below it then i'm taking an approach that's not the best so decompressing every joint below and then a lot of times those necks and shoulders start to loosen up because we go after the feet and the hips. That's that's where my approach becomes unique and a big reason I stopped practicing under the medical model um, because of some of the restrictions that I have to follow. With a therapy license as an occupational therapist, you're not allowed to treat the um, ankles and the hips if you get a shoulder order from the doc. Well, you just work on the shoulder. I'm like, well, it's connected. Right. So there's 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 some red tape in that field for what I truly wanted to do. Um, so that would be another reason 
pain free outdoors began. Gotcha. So you can do your own thing and do the whole, do the whole buy. It seems like that's one of the things that we struggle with on the wet in the Western, right? Western medicine is that it's uh, there's, there's plenty of struggles there, but one of them is that, um, we treat the, um, I, I don't know, right. They treat people after they've been impacted. And it sounds like what you're doing is more right. Trying to get to this before you're injured. hundred percent. I had people in the rehab homes that had, had back surgeries and I'm like, man, I wish I could have seen you before you had the surgery. Cause one, we wouldn't be trying these new exercises when it hurts to breathe. You'd already understand them and be able to do them. And then if you carry it out with a back surgery, then you'd be ahead. So like the prehab, but there's not a lot, there's not a lot of, Oh, I'm going to say funding, right? Like you can't go get prehab. You can, if you got good insurance and you ask the right questions, but most of these clinics, I feel like will just kind of, yeah, you, you need a surgery and you'll be fine. But if you look at the, like I run the, I crunch these numbers for the corporate programs. I say, Hey, look, here's the reality this is what it costs. This is how often they have to redo it. And I can speak from experience when I'm inside those clinics. It's not always the best care. You got new grad therapists, you got expert therapists, and they're all in the same room. And it's kind of a gamble. Like you got to do a lot of background work to find out who you're working with. So I believe in that, right? Like I believe that there's a better way privately. And I think a lot of people feel the same. Um, I struggle with you have insurance. How do I accept it? Cause it's a hard no for me because of what comes. If I say, yeah, I can accept insurance because now I have to play by those rules. So it takes away my hand a little bit versus, um, clients, the goal. And I believe the money will follow. So if I can help a ton of people, I think that's where one of these organizations that has 40 to hundred employees on site and they go, Cody, can you come in and present? And I teach it visually and I teach a group and then I keep you out of the clinic. And that op that's what I set out to do. Yeah. Gotcha. That's what you do with your corporate stuff. People will pay you to come in and show and you'll show them kind of your methods and how they can stay out of the, the system. Yep. Presentations um, and, and full blown wellness services, right? We tailor a wellness provider. We put them on site. We teach them. We train them. It's one of our own right now. Um, as we grow, we look forward to having businesses that want to promote from within because we have the ability. I say we because myself um, and three other providers that are part of this, we all got together. We we create a training methodology for someone to understand how to practice this and implement it in a work site. Um, so that's when this became a, a corporate focus. And then Pain-Free Outdoors became, like I said, the individual this is if it's one to three people, you small family, a small guide shop. Um, this is appropriate for you. Anything 40 to 50 employees. I need more than one person on the gig. And then we set out, we track a, a lot differently than I would on an individual basis. There's, there's tracking sheets. What about, um, you know, I, I think age group is one interesting thing because you think about your life, you know, I, I'm not sure how old you are, but you know, you start when you're, you know, in your 20s, a lot of people abuse their bodies in their 30s, mm -hmm. you know, and then eventually your body starts telling you like, hey, you know, you're really messing this thing up, right? And you start to think about it more and then you get into your 40s and, or whatever, right? And so, but like, is this for the 20-year-old? It better be. Convincing the 20-year-old is the problem. 
convincing my 20 year old self that I needed help before I crunched my back playing pickup basketball was obsolete, right? You feel, you feel awesome. Um, it's that athlete that understands that, Hey, I can optimize your movement and you perform at a higher level because if you get your body back into that instinctive shape, um, Simone Biles, she behaves, her body behaves the way that I show. She's one of the models I use that she kept the pattern, the way her foot lands and leaves the ground. It's perfect. Michael Jordan, Randy Moss, Deion Sanders, those are others. So the 20-year-old a lot of times is the athlete that I have, the 16 to 20-year-old. I got a baseball player I'm working with right now. It's, it's, a, it's a nephew of a, a coach that I trained, and he asked if I'd take care of him. And It's funny because tracking sheet, like here's your bullet points. Check it if you did it. Don't lie if you didn't. So I can look at week one and say, is this an appropriate caseload for you at 16? Are you able to follow these things? Versus your 22-year-old, is a, they're, they're more likely to follow the program if they buy in. Um, but the decompression routines, we are in this environment that's compressing. So no matter what the age is, you can stick your little baby into a jumper. Those little, you know, you sit in it, you strap them in. You're compressing their spine and you're removing their ability to, to feel the ground with their feet appropriately. You're giving them a, a moon jumper. And then they're going to take that pattern to their walk. So you're going to develop. It goes right to the, I got coaches that are like, oh, is this an appropriate pattern for my baby to be in, in the crib? Like they're swaddling these kids in a way that's ergonomic. Um, so it, it starts at birth and it, it's from cradle to the grave. Right, right. What's the, um, you mentioned, so we talked about a few things, a few, uh, you know, shape, resting position, decompression and all, all that there. What about nutrition? Maybe touch on that a little bit because that's another big struggle for people, right? It's like, you got the, you know, you, you got the pizza and all the, all the crap. Like, how do you start? Like, what's an easy starting point for getting better on nutrition? So our approach to that is crowding out, right? Like pizza, who doesn't love to go to Costco and get the $2 pizza? I mean, it's, it's, it's a guilty pleasure. Um, if you're listening right now, find your way to a, to a, a drink of water, right? Get a pure hydrating fluid. That's not always from your faucet to keep in mind. Sometimes you've got to, there's, there's some products that we recommend for removing the fluoride, um, because it improves hydration. I have a tea that I use from athletes apothecary. Um, it's, it's a client of mine, his company, it's a blend of of leaves, tea leaves. I uh, wish I had the bag right now. I'd, I'd read you what the herbs are in it, but it's a recovery tea. It's a hydrating blend. It's a nourishing tea. So I'll add that in throughout my day. Um, you know, I put it in a French press and pour a bunch of hot water on it, and that's going to optimize my hydration. If we're not properly hydrated, then no matter what we're eating, we're it's 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 a suboptimal digestive pattern. What, what is proper, how do you know when you're properly hydrated? Like if you're drinking, what if you're drinking kombucha all day or you're drinking, right? Like how, how much, that whole thing, like, you know, 60 ounces of water per day, right? Or whatever. That's a good question. Um, yeah, there's, there's a, I wish I could, I knew it offhand. There is a um, metric, right? Like per your, you've got this many ounces per your body weight. Um, what I, what I don't want to do to people is get them into this. Oh, I got to overanalyze everything. I just want you to be more aware. Hey, did you drink water in the last hour? Are you doing it every 15 minutes? Is it accessible? That's the big piece. Do I have accessible water? 
Yeah, have a water. The easy way is the water bottle, right? Just have a water bottle right next to you. Yep. Um, we got the water tank, you know, that you can go fill at the you, the big blue tanks with the cap on top, like Ozarka has them. But there's lots of different places. You can go to your natural grocery store, and a lot of times they'll have a spigot. You can go refill a five-gallon water bucket. Put those throughout your home. Put those in your workspace. Then it's accessible. If I have to walk downstairs around the corner, open the fridge, get a glass, oh, dang, it's dirty. I got to clean it now. Like By then, I'm going to go, ah, I don't want to drink water anymore. I'm just going to keep crushing work. Um, same way we all do. Like If you wake up from work, it's four in the afternoon, you didn't eat breakfast or lunch, you're behind. You just missed a day. Now, fasting is a good thing. So a lot of times I'll do that and go, hey, my body wants me to fast. So I'll skip dinner and then wake up the next day. Today's episode is sponsored by Maverick Fly Fishing. They make the lightest Euro Nymph reel in the world, which makes your rod more sensitive, casting more accurate, and you can hold your dead drifts longer without the shoulder burn. This reel is so unique, you may not even recognize it as a fly reel. I had a chance to fish the Stinger Reel with Jeff on his home river on the Truckee. The biggest thing that I remember is the weight. The weight really stuck out because you can't even barely tell there's a reel. It's essentially kind of like you're holding a rod all day long. I mean, it's that light. And uh, and when you're Euro-niffing, that is a key. And the other big thing I remember from that day was catching uh, a fish on my first cast. Pretty cool to be down in that part of the country and, and have some great success with Jeff. Maverick keeps things simple by offering a Euro-nymph product line with essentials you'll need from rod, reel, fly line, and leader system. Euro-nymphing doesn't have to be complicated, so let Maverick Fly Fishing get you started right now. You can learn more by checking out Maverick's YouTube channel for some tips and tutorials. And you can also head over right now to wetflyswing.com slash maverick to check out the good stuff they have going. That's Maverick, M-A-V-R-K wetflyswing.com slash maverick to support this podcast and take a look at one of the most unique and efficient Euro-nymphing setups on the market. Okay, back to the show. How is that different? How is fasting different from just skipping breakfast and lunch or something like that? Um, intention, Intent, right? Like if I'm going to intentionally fast, if I'm going to intentionally pursue that for my health, um, it, it allows the body to reset. If you look at there's a great book out there by, by Michael Easter called The Comfort Crisis. And he kind of dives into this, that feeling hunger, he's on a hunt in Alaska for, for caribou, and they only have so much food in their packs, right? He's rationing. So he truly felt hunger in that moment. And it was right before they were able to get a kill. So when they got to eat the caribou that they, that they killed, it was a whole different experience. And that is what we used to have to feel, right? Our feeling hunger is, is a good thing in a way. Eating snacks and potato chips and versus, whatever all day long. Yep. Isn't versus bliss foods. So I call those bliss foods. If you've got a food that's blissful, potato chips, Sour Patch Kids, um, an IPA is a bliss donuts. food, right? Donuts, <laughs> IPA, like, IPA. Oh, that's right. I thought IPA was actually, that's right. It's not a, that's not healthy for you either, is it? That's what they're saying. But at the same time, maybe, maybe your neighbor goes, this is pretty healthy for me. Cause if I don't have this, it's going to be all hell is going to break loose. What about wine? What about a glass of wine? Um, I worked at a wine bar a long time. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, the problem for me with wine is I always throw out part of the bottle when I open it. 
like I don't finish it. So I always feel guilty. Um, there's times I'll go on wine times where I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna have, I'd love to have a glass of red Pinot. Do you think it's healthy? Do you think it's okay to have a glass of wine per day? Small amounts. I think so. I think if you want to, I think everybody knows there's a fine line, right? Yeah. Moderation. Moderation. You, you see that in the, in your, I'm sure in the fishing community, right? You Everybody knows somebody that lost a friend to the fine line. They went too far and then they're not fun to be around anymore. So if you're doing it socially, if you're having a glass of wine for your health, having a glass of wine, cause it, it, it allows you to um, have a good evening with your significant other then I'm all for it. That's the kind of coach I am. Like there's a, I'm not a true nutritionist, right? Like a nutritionist is going to go, you need this, 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 and this, and these are the sequences versus my approach to nutrition is body and soul. That is what I want you to feed your body, soul food, body food, and find a balance and crowd out the bad soul and the bad body foods. What is the soul? What is that? What is the body and soul foods? Um, Soul food mindfulness right like gratitude prayer spiritual is different in different cultures so one of the things i coach coaches on is understand your client they have a belief system and their belief system is what you're going to be working on you're not going to change their belief system that's not good coaching i'm you're going to work with them let them make goals if they have these things that they do that's mindfulness if they're not being mindful of something, you can say, hey, you should try this. It might help. Track it. See if you feel any better. Have them start a journal. So that to me is soul food. Um, being grateful for the peanut butter and jelly sandwich that I have in my bag is better than going, dang, I wish I could have one of those steaks at Stacy's right now. Like I'm going to enjoy that PB&J a little more if I'm grateful for it. And that brings value to my body. So brain and gut gut health becomes brain health becomes cognitive health becomes mental health versus i eat a bunch of crap and now i'm sad and now i'm going to go talk to somebody about how sad i am but i never changed what was really a problem for my gut so soul and body fuel to me is is the same and then it overlaps of course with the physical and the emotional and the the four pillars is what i teach the physical the mental the spiritual and emotional pillar physical mental spiritual emotional mental spiritual overlap physical mental overlap emotional mental overlap emotional spiritual there's overlap in all of them right they're not separate they all work together but if you're mindful of each of those pillars and you find Am I mentally strong or am I just focusing all my time on getting physically fit? And you'll see that in your CrossFitters, right? Um, in your athletes, physical fit, but they don't nourish their mind. They don't take time off. That's a big piece I've had with, with some, of my, some of my former athletes I've worked with. Take some time to yourself. Go fishing. Have you ever been fishing before? It's great. Like, you know, I've always wanted to try, but... I was a multi-sport athlete and a travel baseball. Like we never really had time. So you reintroduce these things, outdoors, hikes, um, taking them outside. It's so beneficial. And that's where there's a spiritual component, right? Um, especially in the fly fishing world, you feel a connection. There's a Zen to casting when you feel it and you've got your rhythm down. Oh, there's nothing better. And then if you catch a fish, like, whoa, bonus, but I was already having a great time. And, that to me is a spiritual pillar for me personally. Fishing is a spiritual thing for a lot of people. 
if you're sitting at home like, oh, I'm not a spiritual person, it, it don't think religion, right? That's not all spiritual is. I think a lot of people go, oh, it's a religion. It is. It absolutely is religion, but it's not, it's not only that. There's a lot that you can you can you can reconnect with thoughts and feelings and, and people from your past. I think there's a lot of can you prove it? No, but there's a lot of research out there that says we can speak to the people that are no longer here. I don't know what book or where, but my belief is that people don't actually die until they're stopped being spoken about. So they live generations and generations, and that's a spiritual belief. Oh, no, talk talk about that again, because that's a, I think that's a powerful thing. So if, if I know my great-grandpa was a great person and he accomplished a lot and it was never written down, the minute I write it down and share that, he is still alive. Or, or podcast about it. Or podcast about it. That's what's the beauty. Like sharing information about an individual keeps them alive. If they get truly forgotten, that is when they truly go. So that's a spiritual pillar, right? Like I'll go to certain places and fish and think about certain people that, that I spent time with. Uh, the only picture in my room is of me and my brother in low water out of the highlight um, at, the, at the far end of the, the lake. He came up on a trip and we had a great time. And that to me, I will return to that spot always and go, oh, I remember it like yesterday. That, that is a spiritual connection. Um, take a picture, send it to him. I said, hey, man, I'm here. I'm missing you. And of course, he writes back, yeah, dude, I can't wait to come back. Like life, ha- life happens, right? So finding those places, finding that that's, everybody's got their special spot. Everybody knows where they can go to just feel calm. Um, and that's a spiritual pillar and just acknowledging that and going, oh, okay, that, that works for me. You know, you don't have to get into rocks and crystals and herbs and incense and have, but if you have a big practice like that, or if you're interested in that, there's practitioners out there. And that's where I go, Hey, here are your resources in this world. Here are the people that practice plant medicine. Here are the people that, um, make teas that, that are beneficial here's all the things that you can learn about in, in other cultures um, versus, you know, your mental pillar. That's your Jocko willing crowd, right? You go listen to Jocko and you're like, yeah, I'm ready to run through a brick wall. That's a mentally strengthening human being because of his approach. And now Jocko, I'm not familiar with him. <sighs> Superhuman Navy steel. Jocko will. Oh, willink. Willink. Yeah. Like Joe Rogan, Jocko that kind of crowd, right? Like very, very intense. I'll get a link out to Jocko and some other stuff we talk about today in the show notes here, because I want to follow up on some of the, some of this stuff is, I mean, it's all great, but I think some of it, right. It's like baby steps. So somebody who's brand new to this kind of gets you into my world. That is how I see it. It's all one thing. It's all one big shape. It's all a big ecosystem. Um, so to, to get heavily focused, Hey, my back hurts. I can help you because I can show you how to decompress, but then to see why it got compressed in the first place, that's where these other pillars get opened up. Here's the, uh, and I'm just at the, you know, Jocko, Jocko has a podcast, which is great. Episode 375, there will be ups and downs, wins and losses. Do your best with force recon Marine. Right. So he's basically he's interviewing, right. It sounds like he's a Marine. He's interviewing ex Marine. I mean, that's the thing about it, right? There's a lot of power there too. I mean, we just talked to somebody. I just talked to somebody yesterday who was a ex Navy, you know, who was in the Navy, 
and right. I mean, a lot of his discipline comes from that. Like, that's a pretty powerful thing, right? Do, do you find that um, discipline is a big struggle for a lot of people? Yep, because of our because of our culture, our environment. It's so easy to go. Ah, I can sleep in. And why does the armed for- isn't that interesting that like it's in our country? We've got a great armed forces, great services, but there you do have the discipline. I guess because you have to have to. If you sleep in, it's the difference in you and your men sometimes, right? Like there's bigger problems. Um, and, and that is what they understand. I, my dad was Air Force vet. Um, I grew up in a, in a home or discipline, right? I had a checklist on the wall. I had to do those things every day or there was no fun to be had. Did your dad put a, a checklist for you on the wall? I had so many checklists. And when I, you know, as I get older, I'm like, that was a great tool. They understood that because both parents are also occupational therapists. And that is a, that is a skill that we learn tracking sheets, giving someone visual feedback that yes, you did that. It feels good to check that box. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I love check. I love a good the problem with a good checklist is that it can get out of control. And it, can. it can go into a like, Oh my God, I've got so many now that I can't even do anything. Yep. Which is where you make it small daily doses, right? Like there's big picture, long-term goal, and then there's short attainable things. And those should work towards the long-term goal. And then every few months you can go, Hey, have I gotten closer to my long-term goal? Am I going to reach it in the appropriate amount of time? If no, it's time to just modify it. It's not like, Oh my God, I missed it. It's you just modify it and you go, Hey, what can I do better? Did I set a goal that was way too big? I did last year. I thought I'd have five contracts, right? And then by the end of the year, I'm like, I'm not going to have it. And then I had to go, hey, it's fine. How about we just, instead of focus on five, let's focus on one and do a really good job at that one and see if it turns into two because two will turn into four. Four turns into eight. And now I've exceeded my goal. Exactly. What's the, um, so if we had somebody listening here, we've, we've talked about a couple of checklists. We talk about kind of the, the, the three things of the star, kind of the four of your broader, what would be a checklist we can give somebody today to get started if they basically are at square, you know, at square one. Hydrate, number one. So hydrate, hydrate. So that's number one. Number two, um, modify your environment so you have success. You got clutter everywhere, it's affecting you. Um, you're not going to do your exercises if you've got the basics, you got clothes thrown about right? If you don't have a place for those and organize and then decompress and, and have a routine where you follow that decompression routine daily, um, follow that hydration routine daily and track it, right? Did I do it three days in a row? Yes. Awesome. Guess what? Day six and seven is going to be way easier than those first three days. Getting something started is the hardest. So if you do a seven day checklist, do a three day and then do it twice. And now you've got a seven day checklist versus, oh my God, I missed two out of the first three days. I'm not going to make it to seven. And now you spiral. Hey, I missed two out of the first three days. I start over tomorrow. I'm going to get three in a row. Is it important to um, do this daily? I mean, just like this, like routine, you hydrate, you got clutter, routine. you got decompressed, track yep. it. I mean, yeah, like do you'll it be daily. happier, right? You'll function at a higher level. Um, you'll strengthen these little things. And it strengthens the big thing, the big picture. It carries over to the rest of your life. That's where little bitty things um, make the bed, right? So easy to go, ah, I'm going to get in that later. I don't need to make that. Or, oh my God, I'm busy. I got to get up and get going. And I missed the very first thing that I should have done that day. 
Just do that. Simple. It doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to put candles and a mint on the pillow, but like just tidy it and then move on to the next task. Shoot. You, you know, everybody does it. They move on to the next task before completing the task before. And then by the end of the day, like I didn't get anything done. I got 25% of everything. And now I got to do the same thing tomorrow. It's going to take four days and I'm going to get it all done on day four. But I'd be a lot happier if I just choose little things that I know I can finish and then move that big project. Just do a little bit at the end of the day towards it. Do a little bit more. Schedule the day before. Prepare the day before. That's a big piece for me. I have to write it down and go, this is what I'm going to do tomorrow. Otherwise, you wake up and you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do today. And first thing in the morning is the wrong time to try to figure it out. Like, You should already have your map in place. No, this is great. This is great. I think what we started out as, you know, at the start talking about the exercises and foot shape and things like that. But really, this is, you know, it, it's everything, right? It's not just the exercises. Yeah. It is. I'm a, I'm a full spectrum. I'm a full scope coach. Um, pain-free outdoors, like I said, it's just a niche. It's like, how can I approach people with the physical? But then it gets to a point where like, hey, can I introduce you to some other things that'll help you meet these goals? Because I help you create goals. That's a big piece. I sit down, I interview. What do you want to do? What are your goals here? If you're like, I want to dunk a basketball. I'm like, well, you're 60 pounds overweight. So if you try to go through a jumping program, you're going to have a bad time. Like, let's work on something smaller. And then if you still value dunking the basketball, we'll pursue that. Um, and, and kind of not force feed people, but little morsels, right? Lead them the path. But they're the ones actually laying down the crumbs. They're the ones, that client is the one making the decision based off of their interests. I'm just simply a guide. Yeah, you're a guide. No, it's great. And I think that's that basically for pain-free outdoors, that's what people can expect if they go over to your website. They can just kind of make a connection there and, and get on a call and, and talk yep. about what their struggles are. If it's a, it's a, you know, a back that's nagging them or, you know, whatever it is, you can kind of, it sounds like you can handle the spectrum. I can. And I'll tell you the truth. I'm like, Hey, I don't know if this is going to work, you know, like, but this will, you'll value, this will help. But you, if, if you're there's, if you fall and break your leg, you're going to need a surgeon. I can't help you with the broken leg. It broke. I can help you after you're done. I can help you prepare. I can help you understand the words they use in the medical field. I'm a consultant in that manner. Like the terminology that's used in that field is almost purposefully confusing. You get a sheet that's 12, you get 12 sheets and it should just say, Hey, your knee hurts. It's inflamed. But instead you get 12 sheets with a bunch of numbers and words that don't make sense. And you're like, what is, what does this mean? Like, Oh, we'll see you Tuesday. And then the client's never informed. I'll always have that conversation. Always consult. I'll always let people know, Hey, here's where I'm coming from. This is the direction I think you should go. If you're in, I'm in. But if you're not certain that you want to do it, I'm not the best coach for you because I just want to guide you. I want you to take that leap. I just want to help you stay on the path. Um, that's where a Jocko comes in, right? You can pay those guys a lot of money to yell at you and tell you to get right. And that's beneficial for a lot of people. Some people need that. That's not the coach that I like to be. I've done it. I've yelled at athletes. I've done the group class. I've hollered. It, it is incredibly draining. And then when you get two out of the 15 boys that buy in, you're like, I don't want to do this because those 13 boys is bigger than I can help. 
that is a situation where I need family dynamics. I need, I see that spectrum. I need their family. I need the community. I need them to buy in. This, this is way bigger of a role than I can do as a baseball coach. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. I jump does. all over the place, Dave. No, I like it. I like it. I think that that's a, a good place to take it out of that really, I mean, there's a lot to this, but probably a good first step would be, we, we gave folks a few, you know, tips and uh, steps to get started, but probably I got some great books. Yeah. A new book, um, Psycho Cybernetics. It's an old book. It's by Maxwell Maltz, M A L T Z. It's a subconscious. You talk about mental pillar, it's probably your best resource. Okay, perfect. Understanding the mind, understanding the, the self talk, understanding that, hey, how I present myself is a reflection of how I'm viewing myself. So when I'm in a circumstance, a lot of times, it's me that put myself there. So don't blame. Um, it's a great guide to kind of lead you through why the brain does it that way, why it does put you in those circumstances. Cause it's a defensive mechanism. Um, best coaching book was making Mavericks by Frosty Hessen, H E S S O N. It's a surf memoir. Um, but that book is why I got into coaching as a therapist. It is a coach writing about his client and how much he learned from his client. And then there's a bunch of great little mantras in there. I used to have sticky notes on my door um, in my little apartment in Oklahoma. I'd leave and all the sticky notes were on the back of the door. So when I go to leave, I would read all these things and then I'd leave. So that was part of my routine. It was right there where I had to see it because they were things that were helpful for me at that time. Um, I'll stick with those two. I think they're the most influential. Those are perfect. Those are perfect. We'll put those in the show notes. Let's uh, let's take it out of here. We'll do our two minute drill and take it take this one out if that sounds cool. good to you. Yeah, All um, right, perfect. What's two minute drill? <laughs> two minute drill is the way I is forcing uh, forcing us to uh, wrap this thing up, and uh, and I just have a few random uh, questions. Actually, these will be easy for you, and uh, we'll just take it out here, and we'll see if we can make it in two minutes. Ready? All right, here Ready. we go. So, yeah, so what's your? You mentioned the boat. Take us back to that boat. What's your? You may have said it, but what is the Jack- kayak you're using now? I'm in a Jackson Kilroy. Jackson it's a, Kilroy. It's a it's a sit in stable kayak. I can stand up. I can pack it. Um, I floated just about the entire Madison River with it. Nice. So it's good lakes or streams. Yep. Perfect. What's uh, do you know your local flight? Do you have your local fly shop down there or closest fly shop? So closest one to me is going to be Cheech's shop, which oh, is, it is. Yep. yeah, yeah, perfect. Um, and then I don't consider it a fly shop, but I want to meet the the short bus diaries boys. I'd yeah, like to run into them. Way. Yep. That's right. They're out there too. Cool. Yeah. I'll put a link. We'll get a link out to that Cheech episode we had a while back. Um, so what, so you talked about a lot of first steps. What is the first step to health? Like one step to one, th- one thing we can leave somebody with today. Um, be intentional, be intentional, be aware, right? Awesome. What is the, um, as far as products, I'm sure you got a lot. What would be one product we could date? We could take a look at that would help us get started on that, uh, you know, intentionality or anything around health a consultation, right? Like let me, let me have a conversation with you. Yeah. Do you do those conversations, uh, consultations? Um, is that a charge, or do you do you do that for free? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. It is free. Let's do it. If they've if they're if they're a viewer, let's talk. If I've got okay. the time, um, get on my schedule. Donation only. Okay. Good. Like if you truly need me 
and you can't afford me, I'm not going to turn you away. That's how yeah. I work. Okay. Um, Perfect. I, I, I do have a rate, but in terms of if you're listening and you want to talk to me, send me an email. Let me know you heard me on the show and let's get it. Let's get it on the phone. You might catch me on the ski lift. Yeah. But I'll talk to you. That's great. That's great. That's that's perfect. And uh, and then uh, you mentioned a few other uh, you know books and things like that. What would be one resource you would leave somebody with today that might they can dig in deeper to what we talked about here? Um, the video program I think is a great place to start. It's designed to be DIY. It really is a reference video library for after you're on a program. Hey, there are your exercises. Um, but I, I've had people have success with it just by watching it. There's a lot of benefit. But if if something doesn't feel right, get in touch with me, right? Like, I don't want you going, oh, my hip hurts, but I'm going to keep doing this routine. There's likely something off. It should feel good. Gotcha. Yeah, that's perfect. So the video, and we'll have a link uh, to that video. We're going to put the 10-minute video in the show notes so people can take a look at and they can get a feel for what you have going as a starting point. And uh, and that'll be perfect. Yeah, so I think, I think we're good there, uh, Cody. I will send everybody out to painfreeoutdoors.com. If they have questions for you or if they want to, you know, get a potentially a consultation. Um, yeah. Are you uh, feeling good about this? Did we, yeah, did, it is. Uh, no, a good start? I enjoyed it. It's fun. I'm headed to a wellness fair. So this is a good warm up. Oh yeah. What, what fair you give us? Cause I was going to ask you it's about that. Like so, I know you've been to some events. Uh, I've, I've done, yeah. Events galore all over. This one's in Spanish work, which is where I'm living now. So I'm trying to get in touch with the other providers in my community and see who else is out there and make sure that they know if, um, these are independent wellness providers. I found a little gym that was having a fair and I was super excited. It's everybody's kind of like-minded, right? There's, there'll be the people that are selling crystals and herbs at the same place that I'm going to be. And then there's going to be people doing nutrition services. So it's, it's great to see my resources in this area. Cause my goal is going to be, Hey, obtain a contract where I can instruct a business how to get their people well. And then that business pays those providers for their employees health um and and these would be the people in my area that i need to get in touch with so i know where if i get picked up and i get to go someplace um and work for a little while my backyard is still taken care of perfect nice cody well thanks again for uh, shedding light on what you have going and helping everybody here get a little healthier um, i'm going to be working on it as well that's uh my one thing is going to be to start the list on uh, like you said just be intentional about it and make sure you're doing you know. Be intentional and get in touch. Like I said, if, if you feel like you're guessing, it's worth a 15-minute call for me to go, oh, almost do this, and it'll make a whole lot more sense. Um, that visual aid is a big piece, which is where that those video consultations come in. I can show you what that assessment looks like. I can show you in your own body. So let me know. Yeah. All right. I'm happy to help. I appreciate the platform, Dave. Um, yeah, thanks a lot. I've, I've had a blast. I uh, hope to hear from you soon. There we are, wetflyswing.com slash 471, 471, 471 right now. Check it out, and uh, you can take a look at that decompression flow. We're going to put a video in there. You can find out what Cody was talking about today and uh, and take a look and get started right now. This is going to be awesome. I hope this kickstarts you right now. Quick reminder, Instagram, that's where you need to be. If you are on Instagram and you haven't checked us out, follow us at wetflyswing, and you can ask a question for an upcoming guest. This episode is a great reminder about health and staying healthy. And uh, I recently had a 
a close family member who was in the hospital. It was a big uh, worry. We didn't know what was going on. It turned out that things are looking better now, um, but it was scary. And I've also got a funeral to go to this week. And it's all just a reminder that, uh, you know, that we want to stick around and, uh, and life is short and, uh, and the healthier you are, the more time you're going to have on this planet and the more fun you're going to have, the more fishing you're going to be doing. So, um, so yeah, let's find out like, what can you do right now today? Let's make a pact with me. What can we all do right now for a better, for a better life, better health? What's that one thing? Join me right now. Let's think of this. Um, if you can, why don't you send me an email, Dave at wetflyswing.com or DM me and let me know what is that one thing you're going to be doing, uh, maybe over the next 30 days and, uh, and give me a heads up. It can be anything. It can be, um, cutting something out. I don't know, eating better. I think my 30 day, I want to announce it right here. My 30 day challenge here is that I am going to run every single day starting right now. I've been uh, kind of sporadic, sporadic over the last numbers of you know months, years. Um, but I think I'm going to kickstart this. I know we had George Daniel on recently and, uh, and we'll put a link out to that episode. But he noted that he has run, I think he said every day for like, I want to say like 10 years or something like that. He just does. It's just part of his routine. So I want to get a little inspiration there and, uh, and I'm going to do this 30 days. So right now, 30 day challenge starting now. Uh, maybe I'll even post something on Instagram and, uh, and hear what your challenge is. That'd be fun. Let's do it. Let's, let's come up with a hashtag to get this thing going. All right. Let me know. And, uh, and I'll support you. You support me. All right. Where are we headed next? Let's get on to the good stuff. We're talking exercise, which is important because it's going to allow us to feel better and to do more fishing ultimately. But let's take a look at where we're heading next right now. So where are we heading next? Ooh, 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 ooh. Man, the good stuff keeps coming. Tomorrow, or not tomorrow, this week, we're, we're doing, uh, we've switched. This is the second week now we've been doing, or I think it's maybe the third week. Yeah, third week we've been doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I like it because now we get a little day to break. Get a little break day tomorrow. And the next day we're going to jump in with Sarah Jo, Sarah jo Royalty. And, uh, and this one is, uh, you don't want to miss this one. She breaks out a song on her guitar and it is it is pretty powerful and then next week we're going to jump right back into it uh heading back with chagrin outfitters um man we got monty burke coming up I, there's too much to look ahead i think we've got some good stuff coming for you i hope you are ready for some firepower because it's coming quickly all right well uh you know i am i uh, think i'm gonna get out of here i'm on the banks of the river right now and like i said i've got some stuff to take care of this week but, but I am going to be running tomorrow, so I'm excited. I'm gonna put it right now in in my little planner, uh, top of the top of the big circle around it. Run, and I'm gonna scratch that off and keep track. So you run with me. Let's do this. All right, I'm gonna get out of here. I hope you, I hope you are having a good evening. Hope you're having a good morning. I hope you're having a good afternoon wherever in the world you are. And I hope to connect with you online on the water, maybe on an upcoming trip. And I appreciate you for stopping by today and checking out the show. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com. And if you found this episode helpful, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes.